Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Again, I'll just, uh, yeah, there's not enough space to dance around here, is there? Thank you, Adam. Um, yeah, I would encourage you, uh, if you haven't signed up for New Day and you are young enough to go, then do so. And if you have children in that age bracket, I would really strongly recommend you get your kids there. Um, I've just seen many lives change just by going to New Day and meeting with God. Um, I've led a few New Day global teams where we go to church plants uh, over Europe and in the training we get to know the, the young people and time after time after time, story after story say, saying, uh, used to go to church with mum and dad, God was kind of just a concept and then I went to New Day. And then I went to New Day. So get signed up. That's about as much as I can say about that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, fantastic time. I love going. Um, it's a great time of worship and just seeing young people grow. And I'm going this year as well. So don't let that put you off though, young people. But um, <clears throat> I think I've got to the age now where I might be one of the older people on chairs right at the back, not sitting on the floor, on the hard floor. It's not good for your hips, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yes, this small. <laughs> This is my first uh, sermon in my 40s, so um, that's kind of why I'm... Uh, <laughs> don't feel sorry for me, it's okay. I still feel at least 39, so um, it's okay. As you can see, this morning, uh, we're looking at grace and truth. We're going to be continuing uh, in the series uh, in 1 Corinthians. Now, Adam, uh, not Adam, Malcolm, spoke really well last week on communion, and he spoke from uh, 1 Corinthians 11, and... Uh, he talked about the Passover and how the blood of the lamb on the lintel and the doorpost marked out the people of Israel and how the blood of Jesus does the same for us. People of Israel were a chosen people. Church, you are a chosen people. Malcolm also talked about without the shedding of blood that there is no forgiveness of sins. And the Israelites' act of faith was kind of painting the blood on the doorposts. Our act of faith is believing in the blood of Jesus, covering our sin and giving our lives to him. Um, and Malcolm also talked about how over the, after the Passover, it was the beginning of a new calendar year. So I really was listening last week. Um, and it's a new start for us when we have the blood of Jesus cover us. When we come to faith in us, it's a new start. You're a new creation in him. And as we remember Jesus dying on the cross through the communion last week, taking the punishment that we deserved, we must also remember that it didn't end there, but three days later, he rose again, conquering sin and death forever. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, we're actually going from 1 Corinthians 15, because uh, last year I wasn't here, but I'm reliably informed we went through 12, 13, and 14 um, <clears throat> we're not doing it in numerical order. I'm fine with that. Um, but Adam just felt God speak to him, and that's why he needed to go through those chapters last year. So we're, we're skipping forward from 11 to 15 uh, this morning. And Paul is reminding the church in Corinth that it is vital to our faith about the resurrection. Um, the Greek philosophers at the time, they didn't believe in physical resurrection. And the church in Corinth were beginning to be swayed by what the people of the day were saying. 
Uh, they didn't believe in life after death. A bit like today, people say, I don't believe in life after death, and then they'll tell you that we, they think that they might come back as a robin or something. So um, it's true, people do believe that. Um, so the passages, as you can see, on the screen we're going to look at is about grace and truth. So if, you could, if you've got your actual physical Bible as well, I just encourage you to turn to that in that as well. just helps us get to know the Bible as well, just by looking at the physical thing as well. If you haven't, it's okay to read the words on the screen. Okay, so from chapter 1 Corinthians 15, from verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in in vain. For I believed, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and then he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles. I'm worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Hallelujah. It's quite a, a lot to look at this morning, and I won't be able to cover everything in the time that we have. So we're just going to look at a few different verses through here. So Paul starts by reminding the church that they've received good news. We have good news to proclaim. Good news to proclaim about the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God and the kingdom of God that has come through Jesus. It's news to be proclaimed. He, talks, he starts by saying, um, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And he says that we've been saved. 
you've been saved, by which you are being saved. And we can often shy away from that word of being saved. But it's a very biblical word. In Matthew 16, 16, Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. We are saved to be in eternity with Jesus. But we are also saved from the reality of hell. We don't like talking about hell a lot, but it's a real place. People often joke about it as kind of an air-conditioned nightclub where all the cool people go. But let me tell you, you're there forever and ever. Jesus talked very clearly about it through the Gospels. Hell is a real place. It is conscious. It is eternal. He talked about a, a grinding and gnashing of teeth. He's, he said to other people at one point, Jesus, that it's better that you were never born than to end up in hell. We are saved from that reality of hell. And this gospel of good news is to be hold, held on to firmly. Paul says it's, in verse 3, it is of first importance. It is of first importance. Whether you've been a Christian for a week or for years, this is what you need to hold on to. Jesus' life, death and resurrection. He did it for us. God doesn't love us because Jesus died. God loves us so Jesus died. He is motivated by his love for us. God has a victory in resurrection and we must live in the truth of that. We must celebrate that for what he's done. We need to gird ourselves with truth. It talks in Ephesians about putting on the belt of truth. When he's talking about the armour of God, we need to put on that truth daily. Gird yourself with truth. But we can let it slip. We can begin to doubt, just like the Corinthians were. They were believing what the thinkers of their day were saying and and we can start to rationalise things, whether it be resurrection or healing or anything supernatural. Well, we start to rationalise and think, well, it can't really happen. Do you know it's okay to doubt? It doesn't mean you're not a Christian or that you're losing your faith. But what it must do is drive you into asking more questions and going deeper with God. Knowing him better. I remember when we moved to Bury St. Edmunds. Um, we moved there to be part of the church there, help the church. Um, and a year in, I got made redundant. And uh, we were just having our second child, Eden. Uh, we'd just finished an extension on our house. Gemma had already given in a notice to say she wasn't going to come back because we felt it was the right thing to do for her to take time out with the children. And then I got made redundant. And we, for the first time in our married life, we, we were struggling financially. And I was asking God, why? Why? But what it did was help me become so utterly dependent on him. It's okay to ask questions. Are you reading this book? Are you knowing him through this book? Just encourage you, just dig in, dig in. There's life in this book. 
It's okay to ask questions. We never expect anybody on Alpha just to take a blind leap of faith. Because our faith can be examined, it can be scrutinized, we can hold it up and look at it from every angle. Because we believe that this is true, this is truth. We need to stand on that truth. So, when he, he says, in accordance with the scriptures regarding Jesus' death, there's many verses in the Old Testament talking about Jesus' death and resurrection and his life. Um, one that I'll just highlight this morning, this is Isaiah 53 from verse 3 to 12. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned and everyone to his, his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Hundreds of years before that was written, before Jesus. So we can doubt, but we can fill ourselves with truth about the resurrection. You need to guard your gates. We often talk about, when we were in Bury, we used to talk to a lot of younger Christians and guys with no background of church or anything about what they let in, what they watch, what they feed themselves, guarding your gates. Because actually, when we dig into this, there's evidence for it. And the resur- we can stand on the truth of the resurrection. We can look at our faith. We can look at what it says in Scripture. Old Testament supporting New Testament. People can make sweeping statements today. Like you saw the guys questioned in the streets, kind of, you know, they think it's ridiculous. Or that guy was funny, wasn't he? He was like, well, it could have been a metaphor, like a drug trip or something. But no. Um, like people do come up with this stuff and they talk about it very, you know, very, very intelligent people will make sweeping statements like it's a fairy story made up to, to help people. Well, that is really said without thinking because we have um, evidence of scripture dating back just a hundred years or so after Jesus. And so they're talking about if this was all made up, they're talking about a writing style, a literary style that wasn't even invented yet. So people kind of say these things without even thinking. And very intelligent people will say that. So we are surrounded by views and opinions like this. So how are your opinions formed? <clears throat> how are your views formed? Are they f- formed through this book or from the world around you? See, the Corinthians, some of them were thinking, this can't be true. It's too unbelievable. They were being swayed by the world view of the time. And it's easy to let some beliefs slip if we're not feeding ourselves. Feeding ourselves with daily prayer, with Bible reading, and praying for a daily filling of the Holy Spirit. 
we can easily stop believing in the life-changing power of the gospel. We might think that what this has got to offer the people of Seven Oaks who are very secure, who seem to have it all together, people who are too busy to come, but what they're really doing is just filling the emptiness of their soul with stuff that God should be filling. What are you filling your life with? Is it? Because we can fill our life with good things, but they mustn't become ultimate things. How does this affect my life today? People will say, well, Jesus bought you for himself through his death and resurrection. So when you die, God will raise your body to new life, just as he did with Jesus. So what and how we use our present bodies matter is of vital importance. The resurrection, you see, isn't something dreamed up by Paul or his followers, or Jesus' followers. It is at the centre of Christian faith. Because he rose, we have a certainty that our sins are forgiven. Because he rose, he lives and represents us before the Father. Because he rose, he has defeated death and sin, and we know that we will be raised. Christ's resurrection guarantees both his promise to us and his authority to make that promise. We need to stand on truth. Hope, church, we need to stand on truth. Read it in this book. Get to know it. Feed yourself or you will starve. I struggle to go a few hours without food. It's true. Now, I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm breathing in as well. Um, you can't go a day without a, a good meal. Well, if you're going a day without being fed by this or by him, that's often how people slip away, find it too hard. Tom Wright said this, Christianity, you see, it isn't a set of ideas. It isn't a path of spirituality. It isn't a rule of life. It isn't a political agenda. It includes and indeed gives energy to all those things, but at its very heart is something different. It is good news about an event which happened in the world, an event because of which the world can never be the same again. And those who believe it and live by it will, thank God, never be the same again either. I just want you to think about that. Those who believe it and live by it will, thank God, never be the same again. So, we see, as we're working our way through this in Corinthians. Paul emphasizes the validity of the resurrection by going through who Jesus appeared to. Then he goes on in verse 8 to talk about how Jesus appeared to him. Paul talks about how he's unfit to be an apostle. He says he's unfit because he persecuted the church. We see in Acts how he was present at the stoning of Stephen. He threw people in prison, but God met him and used him. And he ended up planting the church 
in Corinth. He says, but by his grace, by his grace, the grace of God in Paul's life, God used that to use Paul to spread the gospel. And this grace is for you too, today. He wants to use you. It's very easy to discount ourselves and say, well, I'm, I'm not, no, not me. But that is underestimating the grace of God in your life. He says in Ephesians 2, Paul, that God has prepared good works for you in advance. He didn't say, I've prepared good works for these guys, but not some of these guys. No, he says, for, for all who are in Christ, he has prepared good works for you in advance, which do not cease this side of the grave. Until your very last breath, God has prepared good works for you. No matter how young you are or how old you are, he has prepared good works for you. You see, true humility is not convincing yourself and others that you're worthless, but recognizing God's work in you. God lavishes his grace upon you. It's so important to have God's perspective on your life, on who you are, and acknowledge his grace in developing your abilities and your sanctification. I cannot do this, but Christ in me can. I was talking to somebody um, over the last few weeks about baptism and how nervous I was about speaking in public. I was petrified when I got baptised of speaking in public. And now I can preach not because of my own abilities, but because of the grace of God in my life. I cannot do this, but Christ in me can to flourish and grow in the Lord. Maturity in Christ, says in Colossians. Conformed into him, his image in Romans 8, 29. So let's not lean not on our own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In, in your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Jesus promises the truth will set you free. As we stand on this truth, live in his grace. And it will set you free. So, whether you've had doubts, been shaped by worldviews on resurrection or the supernatural, whatever, come back to the truth of this book. What does it say in here? What do you feel God is saying to you? Allow that opportunity for God to speak to you. If you're here this morning and you haven't given your life to Christ, then I'm going to say it's, it's not a difficult thing to do. You can do that just by saying, Jesus, forgive me for living my own way. Come and take first place in my life. I'll take what you did on the cross for me. And it says that there is rejoicing in heaven when you do that. Because of this resurrection truth, we have hope that goes beyond the grave, no longer fearing death. Do you have fear over death? Or do you live knowing that you have the same power in you that conquered the grave?
Jesus calls you to rise up and become fully alive in him in order to give life, to bring hope to your friends, your work colleagues, your family. He's, he's asking you to rise up and bring hope to those around you. Live in the light of this resurrection truth. Whether you're new here and looking to join or been around for a while, God wants to use you by his grace. I can't, but he can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not until you are following him, in relationship with him, will you truly find your purpose in life. You will not find your purpose in life until you are truly following him. So rise up. Live in the grace in your life that he's given you. For as it says right at the end of today's reading, we are made alive in Christ. Are you alive in Christ today? Are you living in his grace? Because he wants every part of your life. It's not, it's not a little vitamin supplement add-on to your life. It's an all or nothing. He wants everything in your life. Are you ready to hand it over to him? Are you ready to stand on the grace and truth that is available today? I can ask you to stand. We're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we, we are so thankful for the power of the good news of the gospel, of the truth that you came, you lived the life we should have lived, you died the death we should have died, and you rose again, conquering sin and death for everybody here this morning. Lord, help us, help me, help my brothers and sisters here this morning to live in that truth, to have the realisation of the grace that is available to us, that we no longer need to look at ourselves, but we look to you, King Jesus. I pray that over each and everybody here this morning. Lord, I pray that as we go out into this week ahead, that we will live in that and we will change the world around us. Lord, we talk about wanting to be world changers, but help us change the world around us, giving hope and truth to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.